I went for a walk today and all the kids had the devices. So I had to borrow Oliver's cassette Walkman, which is Katie's old one mm-hmm. from when she was a kid to listen to on the walk. He had an old mixtape I'd made Katie back when I was about 25. It was perfect timing, truly. I've been roaming between boredom, depression, and desperately trying to find tasks to keep me busy. I literally raked the whole lawn today. (laughs) Really desperate. (laughs) Really desperate in terms of tasks here. The last few days, although, I've enjoyed some great connections to friends and family. Anyway, this afternoon, not doing good. I put on this mixtape, and it was perfect. It was like 25-year-old me had made it for me for this moment. I'm, I'm finding like in the midst of what feels trapped and quite dark and quite uncomfortable and quite painful for me sometimes, I'm also finding there's these moments where something mm. just clicks, you know? A little bit of beauty happens and a little bit of like synchronicity takes place that um, creates some kind of sigh or creates that feeling of freedom. You are listening to Find the Outside, the podcast. I'm Tim Merry. And I'm Tuesday Ryan Hart. This week on the podcast, we're going to talk about being unsettled. And you know what? And we'd originally said we'd call this podcast Settling In, thinking that, you know, by this point, we'd all be like settling into the new routine under quarantine. And we could talk about the rhythms and things that we'd put in place. And um, and uh, and then just on our little kind of like place where we go back and forth and talk about our podcast, I said maybe we should just call this one unsettled. Like get it, mm-hmm. <laughs> get into the point where we're just like you know just unsettled. Tuesday, you know, wh- what's your little intro? I've got a story to tell, but I've already said a lot. Uh, I think that this feels really timely. Because, well, for many reasons, right? Well, obviously we're in the midst of this quarantine, but I feel like something happened last week. It was like we hit the month mark and I I think folks have been doing so much to get everything pulled together. How do I get my kids like figuring school out? How do I figure out what I'm going to do for work? Like, And like the first month of quarantine was kind of filled with some activity, right? Of like figuring it out. And then last week it was like, oh, this is what we're doing. And I feel like things just kind of busted loose, right? It was, you know, everyone's like, oh no, this is bad. I feel like last week you saw people get more anxious, more depressed, more angry. It was like the first month was like all hands on deck, let's do stuff. And last week things turned to like, oh my gosh, we're doing this thing. And I think it's deeply unsettling. Yeah, it is. It is deeply unsettling, the context of it, you know, and what we're faced with. And, you know, if if you haven't checked out the video blog that we did in the lead up to this session, check it out because it's it's fun to watch as well. We talk a little bit about the kind of things that we're confronting in this. You know, for me, it was about like actually beginning to confront boredom, you know, and you were talking about that, like confronting of loneliness Mm -hmm. that is is going on. And I think many of us are being confronted by things. I mean, choose we just had, as you know, like a horrific active shooter in Nova Scotia, 16 people, Mm. 16 people killed. Mm. Uh, It's the, it's the worst kind of shooting of that nature uh, ever in Canada. Wow. And I, and I can't help that some of that isn't connected into the kind of environment we're in this, that, that our, our homes and our communities and even our own internal little worlds are becoming a little bit of a pressure cooker, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it is a, it's a horrific event. Uh, we have, uh, you know, a good, uh, not a good, but a, a friend of ours, her, um, 
Uh, her cousin was killed in the attack. So it's, and in a, such a small province, it's very located, but you can just feel like, mm-hmm. uh, although there is a lot going on, obviously for that to take place in that person's life, oh, of course, this is also a pressure cooker moment. And, and I feel somehow it's symptomatic of that too, you know? I think so. I, I think, you know, I, I think I said earlier, like, it's no coincidence that happens now. Doesn't mean it wouldn't have happened mm. in six months or a year or something, but now is mm-hmm. a particular mm-hmm. time. And I've been reading, you know, because I'm mostly off social media. So I see headlines and I'm like, nope, yep, nope, yep. Or, you know, I don't follow a lot of the headlines and I don't read a lot, yeah. but several headlines I've read have talked about kind of the second COVID crisis will be around mental health, right? That this is, you know, as yeah. we have to, uh, face and contend not only with ourselves, like there's not a lot of coping outside of ourselves available at this moment, but also the extreme pressure of being in the same place with the same people doing the same thing over and over. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's causing a lot of mental or it's not, or maybe exacerbating would be the way to say a lot of mental health issues. We're seeing, you know, domestic violence rates increase. Um, just, it's just a, we all don't, the women's shelters are full. We don't have. We don't have. Are you experiencing that in 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 Ohio too? Oh yeah, I mean yes, it's yeah. it's awful. It's um, yeah. There's no place for our coping to go. Right, we have no like, or I guess maybe no place to go for our coping, uh, besides internal, and yeah. often that spills out to the people external to us. It does. Yeah, I I was saying. Um, I mean, we were talking about this kind of like boredom piece and then, you know, um, you know, and kind of what I'm beginning to discover underneath that for me is this kind of like thirst for freedom, mm. you know, mm-hmm. this kind of like desire to not feel trapped. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, a lot of that is related to having been sent away to school f- for so long from such a young age and then essentially being confined within an institution, mm-hmm. you know, for so much of my life and, and, um, as a, well, as a young man anyway. And, uh, and so I'm doing these things that give that kind of like uh, allow me to seek that feeling of not being trapped, you know? And so walking has been one of those. And, uh, and, um, I had, uh, I had a moment last week, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I wrote about it on our mm. little indoor, our little internal thing. So I'm just going to read out. I, I, this was, we use this uh, platform to put notes into each other on, on the, in the outside. And it was the message I put in. I went for a walk today and all the kids had the devices. So I had to borrow Oliver's cassette Walkman, which is Katie's old one mm-hmm. from when she was a kid to listen to on the walk. He had an old mixtape I'd made Katie back when I was about 25. It was perfect timing, truly. I've been roaming between boredom, depression, and desperately trying to find tasks to keep me busy. I literally raked the whole lawn today. (laughs) Really desperate. (laughs) Really desperate in terms of tasks here. The last few days, although, I've enjoyed some great connections to friends and family. Anyway, this afternoon, not doing good. I put on this mixtape, and it was perfect Mm. it was like 25 year old me had made it for me for this moment Mm. I wonder what other parts of us we're discovering to help us in these times you know and I I I couldn't quite believe I had this moment you know when I was actually feeling like just so down you Mm. know there was a lot going on and and, um uh and and it literally felt to me like 25 year old me had made a mixtape just for that moment for me and I'd given it to my wife and then somehow she had 
lent her Walkman to my son, who's all into cassette Walkmans because of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, right. And the lead guy in Guardians of the Galaxy has a cassette. So he wanted the cassette Walkman. So he's been listening to the cassette Walkman. And then he had a mixtape I made her. And then that's, that's what I took out on the walk for me. And so I just had... So, you know, I, I'm finding like in the midst of what feels trapped and quite dark and quite uncomfortable and quite painful for me sometimes in terms of what I'm encountering inside myself or just the, the busyness combined with the boredom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or repetitive nature of things. I'm also finding there's these moments where something just clicks, mm. you know, a little bit of beauty happens and a little bit of like synchronicity takes place that um, creates some kind of sigh or creates that feeling of freedom that mm. I was talking about earlier too, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it's a funny old world right now. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm you're what you're wonder. I feel like I'm wandering between all of these multiple different States. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely do. And I feel like there's so many ways I could go with this, Tim. The, the, the direction I'll go at this moment is I feel like at the beginning of this sheltering in place, this quarantine, it was like, oh, yeah, yesterday was a good day. Today's kind of a hard day, you know, like, and it would almost be day by day. Now I, I can feel it being hour by hour. Like, oh, it was hard two hours ago. Now it's okay. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's just a lot of movement there. And I, I've, I've heard, you know, I do, I listen to a lot of podcasts and people are talking about a feeling of, um, going back to things that gave them comfort earlier in their life. And so I heard that when you talked about that mixtape, right? That, that there's yeah. either music or old TV shows or old clothes or old friends. People are looking at friends from high familiarity. school. Familiarity. Yeah. It's kind of a familiarity. Mm-hmm. And so people are kind of seeking some of that in the midst of all of this uncertainty that might change hour by hour, right? Um, so that feels really interesting to me. And and you and I have talked about the thing, and it's so interesting because I think we're both pretty self-reflective people. We have our yeah. personal practices. We think about what's happening for us internally a lot. And yet this period, I think, is um, it's almost like uh, making us go to the root of the root of the root, right? Like. You know, like, okay, um, when you talk about that feeling of being trapped, I mean, you maybe could have articulated that before and you might've had some insight about it before and some reflection and these are my practices with it. But now it's like, because of the circumstances, like we can't, we can't get away from it. Like you have to go, I mean, of course you could get away from it. People are doing all sorts of coping to get away from it. Some of it good and some of it bad, but it's almost like you have to go into that thing, Right that particular thing, it's not going away. Like, of course, feelings of being trapped would come up when we're sheltering in place, right? Of course, kind of feelings of loneliness. Although I could have even said that to you before. Oh yeah, lonely. Of course, you know, abuse survivor, you experience loneliness, you're kind of on your own in the abuse, but there's something about not being able to move off of it in any quick way that for me is like, uh, now I get to know the nuances of it. I need to get, I get to dive deeply I get to um, say, oh, loneliness is not loneliness is not loneliness. There's a there's an angry part of loneliness. There's a overwhelmed part of loneliness. There's a disconnected part of loneliness, right? It's just like you get to kind of move into more deeply some of these pieces for ourselves that I think can be quite uncomfortable. Today, again, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I feel curious about it, but some days it just feels 
just uncomfortable and I don't want to dive into it anymore. And I don't want to be in that feeling anymore. And, you know, and I've done all the coping I know how to do. What do you do when you just don't want to? For me, I try to, um, I try to turn towards it. Now it's a little harder if the kids are needing help with their homework and I have to cook dinner and do you know what I mean? Like, totally. Um, but I, I think right now I'm doing my best to turn towards it. So either I take a walk and I try to have a dialogue with those parts that are feeling lonely, or I journal about it, or I just actually let myself feel sad and cry or feel a little mad and try not to take it out on anybody or just kind of let the feelings be. But again, it's also, what if I have to cook dinner for my children at that moment when I'm feeling especially lonely or they actually really need to get their homework done? That's when it becomes, I think, a little more challenging. And so yeah. trying to make specific set of times, you know, we've talked about, I, I try to walk five, walk or run five miles every day. Like that is sometimes I just have to get to that run or get to that walk. That's the only place. That's the only time it's going to happen. I'm fortunate enough that my kids can be left alone. Right. So I can leave the house and they can be on their own for when I go and do that. But I can't, I mean, I suppose I could, I'm trying really hard to take this opportunity not to just push it aside. I'll push it aside till I get to my walk, for example. How about you? What are you doing? Well, actually, there's a lot of forgiveness in our house at the moment. Mm. Mm. To be honest, there's a lot of forgiveness. I mean, you've introduced the word grace to me. You know, there's a lot of, you, you know, but you, and I think we often use it in, you know, in kind of like multi-stakeholder, multi-racial, multicultural, multi-faith kind of contexts, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think it's a, I think it's a good fit as a word for what's happening at home, you know, just Mm -hmm. like from my teenage daughter who just has like a really shit evening and is just like the snarkiest human to be around, you know, and then like not even really mentioning it the next day, not giving her a hard time about it, nothing, you know, other than being like, Hey, I mean, I I think just when I was bringing the wood in yesterday, I was like, Hey, you know, uh, is is everything all right? Like, did I do something to upset you last night that you mm-hmm. that I need to know about? Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything that I need to know? No, we're okay. I was just in a bad mood. All right, no worries, love. You know, and so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like not making things bigger than they already are happening in our house. Yeah. Like a lot of like just letting it come and go that seems to be going on. It seems to be really healthy, and that's that's enabled by you know. I mean, it's dating by me taking walks and doing things like that. And I am getting a fair, I'm getting the boys involved in like digging up garden and things like that. (laughs) But like, um, uh, but also um, Katie and Emma are doing kind of like high intensity works out workouts every day. And so there's stuff people are doing to kind of keep Mm -hmm. them grounded, but there's a lot, there's a lot of letting things go, you know, in terms of the emotional, the emotional tennis that can sometimes get played within family contexts, you know? I think that's, I think that's exactly right. I'm just laughing because I just, right before this podcast went down to check on my 11 year old, almost 12 year old, um, doing her homework downstairs and boy, she hasn't, she hasn't said much nice to me today. Uh, (laughs) just, okay. I just keep saying, all right, well, I love you. You know what I mean? Like this sucks. You're right. This sucks. You know what I mean? Like that's also been part of what I've been saying is like, this is hard. Like little people, this is hard. It's hard on me as a big person who has all of this coping. Like 
Yeah, it really stinks. It really stinks. And I understand that you don't know how it stinks. And I understand that like your your core issues are also getting hit here, but you don't have language and understanding on how to mm. work with those. Um, mm. So I remember I sat down with her last, not last week, but the week before. And I just said, help me understand what you're feeling. And she was just like, like I'm not feeling Uh. anything you terrible person I'm like okay all right that wasn't the tact all right but we'll figure it out (laughs) so a lot of it's just kind of um you know kind of acknowledging that it's also really hard really I mean it's just a hard time for everybody so then you can so then you can give grace right like if we Mm. understand that Mm. it's Mm. yeah we're like we're all facing our shadows you know Mm -hmm. and it I've got to be honest like I hesitate from saying these things because they feel trite, you know, because it's like, ooh, now we get the opportunity to deal with our deepest, darkest shit. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> you know? Well, and uh, yeah. But there's an element of truth to it too, isn't there? I mean, there's an element of like, you know, you've said it beautifully. I think we said it in the video blog leading up to this, that so many of the structures that are in place are now falling away and we're now being faced with things that we'd structured our lives to avoid. And I just think that's really true. Yeah. I mean, I think it might be trite, but um, I think it's also true. And and I think that there, it's a choice. We can or we can't, mm. right? We will or we won't. I don't think we have to. I think that we could all um, stumble through this, coping the best we can in good ways and bad ways and come out the other side with not a bit more insight or self-reflection and just having survived. Okay. Like that's, yeah. For what? Yeah. Like, you know, and that's actually not, I actually feel really strongly. Like if this is, if my mind is going to try to take me to these places, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go and yeah. I'm going to try to use it as an opportunity and I won't take every opportunity and I won't do it perfectly, but, uh, the world doesn't get to stop and slow down that often. And you don't get to really look and have these things come up. The things, the very things we have tried to avoid are coming up. Right. Yes, my friend. Yeah. So yeah, we do, we do have a choice and we don't have to make it every day either. That's the other thing. Some days you can just listen to really loud music and, you know. Do an exercise class and scream. That's what I'm into at this moment. (laughs) That's totally what I'm into. into. The other day I was screaming so loud. I um, disturbed. uh, And let me just be clear. The the exercise class, the the yelling is part of the class. It's not just me spontaneously yelling, although that might be a coping thing I do. That would be cool too. Like, you know, that'd be cool. We'd we'd all be cool with that. I think it's really good. And so I might put it into other things, but I was um, yelling so loud at the behest of the instructor that I scared a cat that was outside. Like, nice. I was like, oh, good. Yeah, I caught a, I caught something out of the corner of my eye. I looked over and there was a cat that just was like frozen, looking really startled. And I was like, I wonder, I wonder if I did that. I, I wonder. And then I did it again, and and the cat did it again. I was like, I did that. So it's like for real. That is brilliant. Mm-hmm. That is brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. You know, like, um, gosh, if these things are coming up, it's an opportunity for us to look at them. See a little clearly, learn a little bit, take another little step, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. In in addition to all this kind of personal practice that's going on, and you know, we've talked a lot about our what the kind of individual personal practices we have from walking and listening to music and exercise, and and like anyone who's listening, we'd encourage you to have something, please, you know, to yeah. be in it, right? Um, but uh, 
uh, I think some of the stuff we've been navigating as well has been around our business, even around like as we as we work through our business, how do you and I distribute wealth between us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. during this period, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, how are we tending to and looking after our subcontractors, you know. So we've actually been in some pretty intense conversations together around kind of like class right. and wealth, right. right, and who needs what during a period of crisis and like, you know, and I, and I can feel the strength of our friendship in those types of conversations because they're very, I mean, like talking about money at that level, right? you know, and what we need and what's not needed and what I can rest on and what you can rest on or what not, you know, there's a lot tied up in that. And, and, and it's easy to fall into judgments as you get into those conversations with each other unless you're close friends, you know, but they're also fundamental questions of equity, you know, they're fundamental questions around distribution of wealth, you know, which can easily be tied to power. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And so I just think, uh, I also want to make visible that this isn't just, uh, just like us going out and in our family context, being faced by some of our shadows and some of the kind of like underbelly of how we work. This has also been part of, the conversations we've had to be having with each other as business partners. Yeah, for sure. And it's to add, I think, um, you know, we know that conversations on equity can be challenging at the best of times. And then when you have a lot of economic uncertainty that we're facing, it's quite interesting. So it's not, you know, um, if I think about this, we, we just said this gives us the opportunity to, to look at things we haven't had to look at, that we've structured ourselves in a way that we haven't had to look at them. And so, so that would also be true around any money issues, right? Yeah. Like that we haven't um, just either, either personally had to go too deep into them because, you know, we've been making okay, or even business-wise, we haven't had to go too deep, right? Because we're making enough yeah. money that it works for everyone and every, you know, um, and so then you layer on kind of like making decisions around the business than our own personal experience with class, right? right? So it's not, yeah. uh, and our feelings about that and our, what it brings yeah. up for us. Right. Um, yeah. and so I think that we've had some really good conversations, but they've had to be quite explicit and frank, right? What does it mean Very. that you have family wealth and I don't, right? I just want to just like put like right. really clear like that would be great. Right. So what, what does that mean when we're running a business together that of course is having some contraction, right? And the partners in the business have a different level of wealth to fall back into. Right. Right. That they can count on. And a different, yeah. Go ahead. And it's not, it's not just a different level of wealth that there's actually a multi-generational experience in my family of managing wealth. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like I've got like I've got an inherited lens on the management of wealth that I didn't even realize I had until I started talking to other mates of mine and realized that just wasn't part of their family makeup. Right. 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 I thought everybody was raised to think about how they manage their family wealth until I realized one, not everybody has family wealth. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, and and then two, uh, even if your family does has wealth or your family has generated wealth, there isn't necessarily a lineage within your family of how to manage that over, not just over time, but over generations. Right. right? Yeah. Like that is not, I mean, like over generations, like I'm thinking about 
today and tomorrow and six months and a year, which actually, if I think about six months and a year, is something that no one in my family would have been able to do. Right. Right. And so, you know, we put this, you know, for example, as we come to this money conversation, you have this lens of managing generations of family wealth. And I have a lens of, oh, we used to be on welfare. I used to eat ketchup sandwiches. Right. So these are just like really different ways to come into this particular (laughs) conversation. (laughs) When you you put it like that, you can see that there's a bit of a difference, can't you? Look. (laughs) Right, yeah. Put one hand in this and there's one hand in that. So there's ketchup sandwiches and then there's multi-generational wealth. Right. I mean, you know, right? I think I think we can all acknowledge there's a difference. There's probably a difference there. And and what does that mean going forward and how do we want to be, you know, because you and I are both still working quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And um, what does that mean as we do things that are building the business but aren't billable, for example? And would we, because I have less family wealth, give me more billable hours, but you're still working, right? And just because you have wealth doesn't mean you shouldn't get compensated for the work you're doing. It's just, it's quite complex. It's not, and it's emotional. And I think it is about our good friendship. And I also think it's about this lens we have, which is like, how would we want to go forward? How will we begin to think about this um, as we build a company together across class? Thought a lot about how we build a company together across gender, across race, but as we do across class. And then, of course, then you put in the people we subcontract for. And we were having questions around like, what's the money we want to try to keep as we do as we redo budgets? What's the money we want to keep for the business? What's the money we want to keep for ourselves? What's the money we want to release to the contractors? Like it's just it's not Yeah, and like are there certain contractors we need to keep an eye on, even though they would never even ask us that ask of ask that of us exactly. ever, I don't think. But exactly. like how do we just like be intelligent and think through the circumstances we know our different subcontractors are in? And like just like have talked that through and thought that through with each other. Look, I just want to be clear to listeners in case there's any false ideas given. So when I talk about multiple family generational wealth, I I do not come from like the English aristocracy. That is not where my family comes from. And I think people could hear this and misunderstand. Mm -hmm. Essentially where my family comes from is a line of colonial administrators, right? So, you know, it's like the middle to upper middle class of, of kind of like English white culture, I would say. And so, um, but I don't, I don't want to paint any illusion that somehow we're like multi-millionaire superstars going to the queen's weddings and things like that. That's not, (laughs) That is not the family war, but there is a reality of there being wealth generated in my family about five generations back in the north of England on one side and further than that on the other side. And that money has been, you know, converged into particular individuals and then diverged out. But it's been managed, has been managed over multiple, multiple generations. Right. But I don't want to give the illusion that we're like flying around with millions of pounds. We're not. But well, I mean, there was that, it's a practice. that private jet yeah. plane we took that one time. Oh, yeah, that was the private jet plane that we took one time because, you know, we, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the Moe Chandon on ice was a nice Oh, touch. for sure. I don't quite know what yeah. that is, but I'm sure it was great when we did it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> no, and it's so interesting, Tim. I think that that's a really good, it's, it's, uh, it's actually really, it's important that we give some of these gradients and nuances because part of what we do, right, is we just say um, ruling class or we just say poor or we just say working class. And there's just, there's a lot of gradations in that particular mm-hmm. piece. And and I think it's also fair to say like 
for me, what you're saying, like, that's just rich. Like, you know what I mean? It's just rich beyond what I knew was possible. And like, that's cool. That's just rich. And the other, like on the flip side, it's also fair to say, like, I am firmly middle class now. I'm not eating ketchup sandwiches. That's my background, but it's not what my reality is in this particular, you know, so I don't in any way have the experience at this point in my life, even though I have kind of that legacy, I have some of those kind of in ingrown fears. It's actually not the reality of what my life is at this moment, which is like deeply privileged, uh, related to wealth. And a lot of people just look at me and go like, that's rich. You know what I mean? So, um, there are gradations here and I think it's worth pulling apart. Uh, And we've had to talk through that. We've had to talk through our different reactions to money or like the kind of like grabbing that can, I I can feel a grabbing in me and then like a, wait a minute, just like stop a minute, mate. Think about it. Look at your circumstance, look at Tuesday's circumstances, look at other people's circumstances. And then based upon that, Think it through. You, you know what I mean? But like we, we both have these different like emotional reactions to the money and how it moves, mm-hmm. how it moves within individual projects and gets allocated, how it gets distributed across the organization. And we have to kind of work each other through that, I think. Yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. And those, and, those, and those reactions to money come from very, very different class backgrounds, right? Absolutely. And so just add... Like that's what's happening now, right? That's part of the unsettled part of this part of the pandemic, right? The the decisions are now not just short-term what's going to happen with this project, although it's still there, it's medium and long-term. And what does that mean for us across time? And what does that mean for us with our different circumstances? And what does this mean for our different perspectives um, around uh, around our our company income and revenue and those pieces. And so all of it's up now. So it's like, it's not like we're just like, okay, it's a time of pandemic. Let's just work on our personal work. It's like, yep. And then it's coming up for the company. It's coming up for our clients who are also huge, right? Really um, in their own stress reactions and their own reflection and, and looking at their own deep patterns. You know, one of the things we've talked about and we've said it before, but boy, is there a tendency to go back to more traditional mechanistic command and control leadership right now. Right. It's Patriarchal. like, absolutely. Right. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah. you know, this, and, and I think just like we're talking about some of the people in our client and our client base is thinking, and this is the time when you actually could do it differently. Right. We could choose to be different here. Uh, And it is a choice point in the organization as well. And so it it is. I mean, it's of course, it's all the levels that we talk about, but that's happening at every level we're working with. All levels all the time. Tuesday, Ryan Hart. Bring it right on back to that. Go check out the shared work module, people. It's right in there. All levels all the time. It's free at the moment up until the end of June. That's right. Online courses. Just go to the website. Go to a events and courses or yeah, something and you'll and see it they're all free right now yeah um choose yeah a song a song okay well you know i've been telling you i've been going to this yelly fitness class that i'm adoring that i'm not necessarily going to uh put a plug in for now <laughs> about it but uh i heard a song there it's called a message to myself and it's by a man named rue Paines, and it's just beautiful it's um haunting and evocative and it's really it feels like it fits today because it's about like 
what you're saying to yourself and what you need to do for yourself. Don't get out of here So many voices fill this place Society is in the solitude Find me the corner of this great space No matter where we turn right now, boy, our self is there and in a way that it hasn't had to be before. And so I thought this was just a beautiful song about some of the ways we can be with ourselves and think to ourselves and seek out our very selves in this particular moment. I loved it. You sent that song to me through, um, through messenger. It's beautiful. Mm. Don't forget. You can check out all of our songs on the, on the playlist on Spotify. They just keep growing. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. We might have to divide it into seasons or something. Otherwise, it's going to be the longest playlist on the planet. <laughs> we'll just call it that. Yeah, I think that's what we should call it for sure. All right. Well, I've got a little poem to offer before we step out of our podcast today. Great. Um, and this comes from uh, uh, a book I was given when I was working in Hawaii. And it was uh, uh, given to me by one of the indigenous leaders there. Uh, and the book is by uh, uh, Taupori Tangaro, and uh, uh, the, the book is called Lelekawa uh, Fire Rituals of Pele, which is uh, we were working right on Pele when we were there. It's a very short uh, poem, but it um, seems to speak to the circumstance we're in. Doesn't have a title. Speaking to the shadow is what one does when traveling alone. Treasure the voice, for it gives sound to the thoughts otherwise dormant. That's it. That's good. So good. Very nice, Mary. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks, bud. All right. All right. That's it for this episode of Find the Outside, the podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your gorgeous podcasts. New episodes of the podcast are available every second Tuesday. If you'd like to get in touch with us about something you heard on the show, you can reach us at podcast at findtheoutside.com. All the links to the resources, poems, books, songs, etc. mentioned in this show or in the show notes for the episode over at foundtheoutside.com backslash podcast or in the description for the podcast in the podcast podcast app you're listening to us on. You can find the songs we played in today's show and every song we played in that incredibly long playlist we created on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Just search Find the Outside on Spotify playlist or you can find the link over at findtheoutside.com slash podcast. All of our episodes are edited and produced by Mark Coffin at Sound Good Studio. And the theme music for Find the Outside, the podcast is by Gary Blakemore. Take care, friends. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.